listening to Mother Load Mystery Week. Holy Jesus! What the hell is that? We can't make machines. What is that? They're born meat, and they die meat. Give him meat a good old Hey there. What's going on? Hi, fellas. It's a, it's a great I, uh, Wednesday evening. Yeah, it's it's been a while since it's we've been a long while since we've talked about local stuff with you. I guys. don't even have an excuse. I just didn't feel like podcasting. <laughs> really, I. So I got <laughs> no, sick. No, that's not true. Yeah, there was there were scheduling conflicts. And there were some scheduling issues. I got sick. I like, thought we. I thought really it'd just make sick. it easy rather than explain. No, no, let's explain it because we <laughs> we have lives behind behind the mics. That's true, but they're not good or interesting ones. So hey, well, I don't know. I'm gonna say it anyways. All I right. got sick. I had to replace my roof. No, part of it. Oh, right, right, right. And now I have to replace all the sheetrock in my back room. Nice. Why did you have to do that? Because it leaked, and we got tons of mold. We had black mold, gray mold, yellow mold, blue mold, hmm. and uh, what was that? Green mold. Is and black white mold. mold the kind that gives you uh, what is it? Which, which mold? Autism or some shit? I God, that would explain a lot about my head. Hmm. Um, no, I don't know. I know I'm allergic to one of them, like anaphylactic, like throat swells up, can't breathe, major fever. Mm. That, well, have to go to the ER and get IVs. It's cool that you uh, you got that figured out then. But yeah, Benadryl helps out a lot. Um, that was so that was where I've been. Okay, um, I don't know where you've been. Uh, yeah, I've been around. Uh, my kids got sick and what? I don't know. It's been it's been busy. It's just been it's the transition from a. Winter to spring. Yeah. Let's, let's call it that, right? Does that work? Sure. Uh, you mentioned Deer Creek. Yeah. Right? So, well, to preface, let me set you up. Um, I I know pe- people who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, off-road quads and side-by-sides and whatever, right? Yeah. And uh, I know multiple that are uh, pretty upset about the, the status of the Forest Service and uh, what's going on out there. Um, the, it seems like the common, uh, perspective is that, um, everything's shut down and the forest services wants them to not enjoy themselves in their, uh, motorized vehicles. Um, sounded like you had some thoughts on that. I, I do have some thoughts on it. Um, yeah, and it actually ties into something that's local going on. I don't know if you saw that, but the forest service is actually seeking the OHV, God, I, I'm going to butcher this title. Try again, <laughs> the, try, again, try again. The Forest Service is seeking comments from the OHV community regarding funding and, well, grant funding mainly. So the Forest Service receives funding. They receive funding every year from the California OHV Grant Fund or the mm. Green Sticker Grant Fund, depends what you want to call it. Okay. So oh, when, right from the DMV. Yeah, when people buy, it, it also comes from sales tax too. I didn't know that. Um, Interesting. when people buy their green stickers, that money goes towards funding the OHV grant, right? OHV programs, state, uh, private, federal, they can all apply for the, for the money that's in the grant. And they, it's, it became a permanent part of the budget of the California budget. So, uh, I'm going to pre-state all this, everything that we're about to talk about, um, I'm an advocate for OHV use, and I work very closely with government agencies and the OHV, uh, the private groups, to facilitate this kind of thing. Sure, so I sure. know a lot about it. It's my job. 
and it just X's out of my tab. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whoops. All right, so I know a lot about this, so I can really talk a lot about it. And when you brought up Deer Creek, that was actually an area that I spent some time working in nice. for a while last year. So I I know, like, the hands-on, like, I know what's going on behind the scenes. So we're going to talk about it. Um, So April 4th, if we get this podcast out there before then, uh, from 5 to 8 p.m., the Forest Service Supervisor's Office is hosting a... Uh, it's kind of it's kind of just like a public meeting, a public comment thing. Mm. Um, I don't know. I know I'll be there, but I'm not sure in what capacity I'll be there in. I don't know if I'm going to be representing OHV users mm-hmm. or if I'm going to be representing the 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 groups or the agency. I'm sure. not sure yet. For sure. Um, but it's pretty much to talk about the 2019-2020 grant cycle application. So not this year's, but the year after, and uh, what what people want to see out in the forest as far as grants go. Gotcha. Where, where is that at? This is at the Forest Supervisor's Office in Sonora. Okay. So uh, uh, Across from the library? Yeah. It's on Greenlee Road. The skate um, park. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the skate park. The Shred the Gnar. Shred. Um, <laughs> and it is April 4th uh, from 5 to 8 p.m. Um, anyways, on the Stanislaus National Forest, there's 1,693 miles of OHV routes. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, there's another 756 miles of the road that's not really OHV, but it's native surface roads that you can take non-OHV legal things on. Right, right. But they're still not considered like like paved roads. Definitely. Um. So, anyways, we were talking about Deer Creek and how that got way back when, before I was part of any of this, like I think 2007, mm-hmm. Um, the forest was sued. By I think it was CSERC. Okay, but there there was a group of agencies that sued the Forest Service, saying that their management plan for the forest wasn't good enough. Right, that people could go anywhere they wanted. There were some issues with the uh, OHV users where they shouldn't be, and not even OHV users, but just typical like motorized users. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking like people taking like their Chevy Blazers off the main road and making their own trails and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So the forest, I believe this was every forest. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I know a lot of forests have this, though. Mm-hmm. Um, some are a little bit different than the ones that we have at this, on the Stanislaus. Mm-hmm. I know the Eldorado has one as well, and so does uh, the Indian National Forest. And uh, what's the other one? Humboldt Toyabee? Okay. Mm-hmm. Over the Pass? Whatever forest that is. Sure. Um, they have them, too. They have these emblems. Some motor, what is it called? A motor vehicle use map pretty much lets you know where you can be and that's what the forest was told that we had that they had to produce based on this lawsuit based on this lawsuit it, it, technically a litigation right um so the forest was litigated to survey all their OHV trails or resurvey the ones that were deemed most important to survey mm-hmm. so they could put them on the MVM map mm-hmm and Deer Creek was one of the ones that I don't know if they just didn't survey it in time or if they surveyed it and found that it had a lot of issues. That that, that was an area that some person on one of the, uh, one of the nonprofits that sued the Forest Service, Yeah, that was like their favorite area. They must have lived on Ibar Road or something because that place, like every trail they had in there, then like Crandall Peak, they like yeah. said, yeah, we guys got to fix all of it and redo it all. So over the past decade, that's what the Forest Service has been working on. Right. Using various crews. Like, uh, I think the CCCs were out there and make crews. It's really, um, it's not just like a Forest Service 
thing that was working on it. It was like a it was a bigger multi agent, not multi agency, but multi group effort. Interesting. So we were talking about Deer Creek earlier and how it was closed off, and you were kind of talking about how people are really frustrated with it. Yeah. That should be open soon. Like, it's something that I I was actually looking over some of the trail surveys from it, and there's only a couple of trails that really need a lot of maintenance before they have to be opened. Okay. And that's, like, the maintenance is as easy as, like, brushing or, like, clearing out the, the rolling dips, the rolling dips that we install. So I used to build trails with the... Not with the foresters, but with the private company. Mm-hmm. So, um, the rolling dips get like the, they have sediment traps at the bottom of them. Yeah, and you just you take the sediment out of the sediment trap and you put it back on the trail. So you're just like recycling the, the but surface. So, so this is like a culmination of like years of yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are some trails. There were some trails. I think it was like trail number seven. If you guys ever go wheeling in that area and like you would know the old maps of that area, yeah. there was one trail that just like went straight up the hill up the lava cap. Mm-hmm. And it it was a straight hill climb, and we get hill climbs with, like, single track or with dirt bikes. Like, it, it ruts out really quick. Yeah, for sure. And then with that trail, they actually had to reroute all the way down it to make switchbacks, which makes it a longer trail than it was. Gotcha. And it adds, it adds like, more... It's it's more of an enjoyable trail. Right. Even walking it wasn't that bad, because I, I walked most of them. Right. Um. Anyways... There, there's issues like that that go on. So, like, something like that with someone doing hill climbs constantly, that, I mean, you could literally have one person do a hill climb and, like, grab the whole thing out, especially if it's wet. Yeah, definitely. So it's a combination of a lot of, uh, maybe at some point when they built the water crossings that they built, they didn't do it to, to like, a, a certain standard. Sure. So they had to go back and redo some of those. There were some hill climbs that they needed to either reinforce or rear out. Or it's just, you know, typical degradation of the soils. Sure. Um But so you'd say that it's not it's not hyperbolic that people are saying like most of Deer Creek was shut down. That is What's hyperbolic mean? Uh it's not like a, an exaggeration. So okay, th- this is where it gets kinda tricky. Mm-hmm. It's just shut down to motorized use. Well, I'm saying like you OHV know, people. Yeah, yeah, That was their spot that are frustrated. They're not they're not necessarily being hyperbolic in the sense that no, they're, they're not. Areas the, the, well, shut that, down. The, most of the trails on the what is it south face that south east facing side? Yeah, off of the, the upper ridge. Of, I don't know the name. Of the, is it Grant Ridge? Oh, I'm not sure. God, it's got a name on it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, four and sixteen, I think, runs along the top of the ridge. Pretty much anything between four and sixteen, and that lower road where the staging area is. Sure. Pretty much that whole section got shut down, mm, and right. then going out by Rose Creek, same thing. Right. Um, there were some trails that were still open. Most mm-hmm. of the trails were like the actual roads, though. They weren't the... There's still always V-legal roads mm-hmm. where you can ride a quad or a dirt bike on it. Sure. But it's not a designed OHV trail. Right. So most of the OHV trails, like mostly single tracks, most right. of those were shut down. Yeah. But I'll say I walked a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And with minimal maintenance, like if you just got one group of volunteers to go through and like clear a trail... Yeah. They'd, they'd be totally fine to reopen. That's the, cool, but that's cool. But that's not like that's not what people want to hear. They want to hear the things are opening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's. I mean, not not to put any pressure on you, but it, I'm just it's saying, been uh, a decade. So I mean, yeah. it's any progress that we they that the Forest Service kind of like puts forth is really big. Yeah, and the fact that they were able to survey everything before the I think the litigation date was like sometime in November. Okay. Um, the fact that they were able to survey 
the I think there was 200 trails. Yeah. Or 150. It was, yeah, it was yeah. over 100 trails. Right. The fact that they were able to survey all those before that time period mm-hmm. with that, like, especially with the skeleton crew, essentially, especially, and we, they knew that we were going to have looming shutdowns and whatnot, so they were trying to get other stuff done. Right. Um, And with the crazy fire season that we had. Yeah. I know it's been like a decade, but yeah. it's still a pretty big progress. The fact that literally once they once this the paperwork gets signed for this, they'll be open to use. They might not be like completely maintained, right? But it'll be open again. Cool. So that is the intent. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of um, like briefings they're putting out or whatever. But I know that um, a lot of people just think that their favorite places to ride are gone forever. Yeah, and you know? I I under like. So today, um, I mean, it's just, it's cool. Sorry to interrupt. It's cool to hear that, um, there, that is still the intention. And that yeah. Oh, so, so one of the things that a lot of people don't understand, especially because I have worked on the forest service side of it a lot too. And I, I work hand in hand with with some of those same people still, the OHV managers and the recreation program managers, like they don't want to close stuff off. Right. They don't want to close it off unless it becomes a major problem. Right. And the problems that happen, it's in like major degradation or major conflict, like the, the user conflict. So you get horseback riders trying to go on the same trail as a dirt biker. Right. Right. You know, and I'll be honest with you, the horseback riders normally always going to win yeah, because it's a very different people group right. and they can present themselves a lot better. Yeah. And it's also, there's not... <laughs> they don't show up with their metal militia gear. <laughs> exactly. That Well, that and there is there is a lot of OHV trails to ride yeah. that the horseback riders never go on. Right. You know, like where we do have those user conflicts, it's kind of where like... Those project, those uh, programs, or not programs, but those like areas kind of bleed together. Mm-hmm. It'll be one trail on it. Sure. And it, most of the time, like, if you're riding a horse and a dirt bike comes up on you, like, that horse is going to get startled. Right, right. You know, especially the thing about riding a dirt bike, if you're riding a dirt bike and you come across a horse, that horse saw you coming from forever or not saw, but heard you coming yeah. for a while or for a while. Jesus. But you you almost become just as startled yeah. when you come across the horse. Yeah, yeah. It's really easy for the horseback rider to be respectful of the dirt biker because they know you're coming. Mm-hmm. It's a lot less easy for the dirt bike rider to be respectful of the horseback rider because you, you pop up on them instantly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. Um, that was a whole lot of words that I did not need to say, but whatever. <laughs> um, what was I talking? Oh, so the I don't prog- know. We know the how program- dirt bikes and horses interact now. <laughs> yeah, man. They- <laughs> God damn. <laughs> You're so fixated on one thing. Uh, you can you. tell I've had problems with this, right? No, no, no. I, I get it. Um. <laughs> anyways, program the pro the OHV or the recreation program managers don't want to close anything. They're one of the biggest. Uh, everyone says Timber is the biggest producer of the foresters, but what the? I mean, I, in recent years, it's not really true. Most of the money that the foresters generates is actually through the recreation programs. Okay. Uh, with that being how, said, what's that? Um, okay, you want sorry me? to just dig deep, but like, what's the actual like flow of money look like? What, what do you Let, mean by I'll, that? I'll pull it up. Like by the the green stickers is what you're saying, or no? Uh, it's a oh man, how do they count this? When they count timber and they count all that stuff, yeah, they're counting the economic impact too, right? So they're counting the economic impact from recreation as mm-hmm. well. So they're not just counting the straight dollars; they're counting like how it impacts the whole area. So, you get a family coming from Stockton to go camping at Pinecrest. 
right. that produces X amount of money from when they leave their house or from when they enter the county that the that Pinecrest is located, which would be Tuolumne. Yeah. When they enter Tuolumne County to when they leave Tuolumne County, like the economic impact that they have. Uh, on the county itself. Yeah. I see. That makes sense. Or or on the forest itself or on the area that it's in. I know. Right. But, but they're, so they're factoring like, yeah. like private business. You shop in downtown Sonora. Yeah. And the recreation essentially is what brought that family in. Yeah. Let me. Uh, what's it called? What is it called when you make money? Um, income. No, the other uh, term for it. Earning? Earnings. Revenue. There you go. I have an MBA. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, a lot of money comes from recreation, but not in the form of like people paying fees yeah. or green sticker fees, because the green sticker fees actually don't go straight to the, the government. It goes straight to the state government, not the... <laughs> No, I was about to say sure. No, oh, so. oh yeah, I thought you were telling me to no. shut up. <laughs> um, but not it doesn't like the green stickers go to the state, and then the Forest Service applies for grants to get the money back. Gotcha. And the thing is, like we, the amount of money we get back is like a lot more than people normally pay in in the green sticker fees. Right. So it it actually it seems like oh they're just taking the money and giving you a little bit back. It's not true at all. Yeah. A lot of the money though comes from special uses, which is part of recreation. So. Like Dodge Ridge operating on the forest, they pay. I don't know how their special use permit is set up, but they either they either pay the Forest Service up front to use the land, like leasing, yeah, or they might give them a percentage of their profit or a mixture of both, right? Um, most of the time, it's it's like leased. You just lease the land to them, mm. and they operate under certain parameters. Uh, Bear Valley is the same way, and I think is it Badger Pass over in Yosemite. Yeah, I want to say it is. I yeah. believe they do the same thing in the national park system. Gotcha. But then you also have the, the oh my God, what are they called? The resource groups. So the national North North Californian Power Administration or Power Authority. Okay. You get PG&E. You get a these uh the like the water the water groups. They pay a lot of money. To the Forest Service too. It's called FERC, Federal Energy, something something. Mm-hmm. I can look it up. I, I'll look it up because I feel like I should. That's this probably isn't critical. But... It's very critical. Okay. Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Okay. Is what it is, and it, they they pay money to use the Forest Service land. So, like Spicer Reservoir, Utica Union, they. NCPA, they they own those and they operate those. Well, they don't. I don't know if they technically own them. They operate that and they sell the water downstream to other people. But because they sell the water downstream, they give the Forest Service a set amount of money to maintain the campgrounds around those areas to provide recreation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of recreation funds come from that too. Okay. Um. Anyways, so back to the access thing. The there's a giant push for the forest service to have more access for OHV yeah. and they kind of revert back to the old style of you can ride wherever you want to, or not wherever you want to ride, but you can ride on whatever road you want to ride on. Right. You know, if, as long as they respect certain areas, like these are all paved roads. So we don't want people on quadruping around. Right. But I mean, there, there is a big pushback for it. It's just, it has to go through litigation now since that became law and it takes for like, it takes five years for that to happen. It takes yeah. forever just for them to, even if it was mislabeled on one of the maps, like mm-hmm. if a trail was for 50 inches or less, 
like so ATVs and under, yeah. but it's really a trail that was made for just motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Just to change that, it, it's easier for the Forest Service to go and make it an ATV legal trail <laughs> yeah. than just for us to remap it as right. a as a motorcycle only trail. Right, right. Um, and that's essentially what the Forest Service was asked to do. They once there was a set map, they had to go kind of make their trails work off of that map. Okay. Um. So that being said, I know the road to the interface in a outside of Arnold or White Pines, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Um, that road actually washed out. We Someone got stuck in it last weekend to the point where the road's impassable. So there's going to be a big fat road close sign on that, and I know people are going to flip out Yeah. because it's the shortcut to get to the top of the interface state, the lower staging area for the interface. Right. But that that's something that the forest can't avoid. Like, it's something that they that it, it happens. Roads wash out. And right. It so happens that when one road washes out, if the weather's that bad, multiple roads wash out. So whole areas become completely just blocked off. Yeah. I think uh, big rattles, the big rattlesnake area between Highway 108 and Highway 4 above Beardsley okay. or north of Beardsley, yeah, yeah. the 5 and 14 road washed out in 2015, I believe. So that area is like they just finished the road last November and then it snowed on it immediately afterwards. So it's yeah. impassable again. Yeah, yeah. But we had complaints saying that that whole area was shut down. It wasn't shut down. It was just you can access it. There wasn't a road going to it. Hmm. I don't know. I think the public really complains a lot. I'm, no, for and sure. I, I mean, I understand. Like, Rightfully so in some cases, yeah. but it seems like the environmentalists complain so, so loud yeah. and so frequently because the average person is going to go hike in the forest. They're not going to go buy a dirt bike and go dirt biking. You know, the average person is going to go camping at a developed campsite and not go backpacking in the wilderness. Yeah. You know, if you think about the average person, like, if you wanted to escape for the weekend, what are you going to go do? Yeah. You know, it's the people that are really into, like, the OHV users or the kayakers or the the backpackers where they plan out a backpacking trip or they plan out a kayaking trip or they plan out going out with their toy hauler. You know, it takes a lot more effort to do those kinds of things. I mean, I still, like, I know a large community of, you know, OHV people. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I mean, yeah, obviously it's understandable that they're, the forest service is working within the, you know, this kind of legal action that they've been dealing with. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think there has been frustration, like legitimate frustration there that Deer Creek is like, you know, people come yeah. from, I know people in San Jose that come up oh, to yeah. Deer Creek, you know, and have for decades. Yeah. There's a group out of San Jose called the South County Trailer Riders. Yeah. And they're one of the ones what they actually adopted the deer deer valley trail which is on top of highway four okay and it connects over to highway 88 sure so it's an inner forest trail mm-hmm. and it literally is a corridor through the two wildernesses like it literally the edge of the road is a wilderness on one side the edge of the road on the other side is a wilderness on that side right and that trail was shut down for like six years yeah and that i felt bad for that that group because they they still went up on on the the stanislaus side which was open for a mile in and mm-hmm. it was closed mm-hmm. And they spent like every, a week every year just maintaining that section of trail, even though it was closed off. Right. Like, or it was closed at the El Dorado National Forest boundary. Sure. And that's what they just focused on. Yeah. So I, I still feel really bad for them because they put their all into it. And now that the trail is open again, um, it, the trail is that much better because they, they keep maintaining it. Right. Um, I feel like the OHV user group has gotten to be like, 
I don't know. I don't want to call them whiners, but they are the most whiny group of, of users in the four. They think everyone's attacking them. Right. And I get, I kind of understand why. Yeah. But they do it in the stupidest way. Like, they show up yelling and screaming at meetings. Right. When it's like, that's not that's not what you guys need to be doing. Like yeah. you said, they show up metal militia gear and stuff, and that's, that's literally <laughs> what they do. We had a, they did, they had a public meeting, and I was, I was actually part of this one. Yeah. The whole entire club that showed up, they showed up wearing these shirts that said Forest Circus on it. And it had like Smokey Bear, like Smokey Bear's head cut off. It's like, that's not, that's not how you get that's your point funny. across. Yeah. You know? I so, mean, yeah. I it, mean, I, it is a certain group of people, but I like, I understand the perspective, which is that like, these are public lands. These are, you know. Yeah. Just, I mean, just the fact that they are public lands, the idea that anybody is restricting them to do whatever. I mean, I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Understandably, you know. I I get it, yeah, but like, I also think that there's this fake, uh, like where where did the idea of public lands and like open access come from? You know, like yeah. where. I mean, some people would say it's like ordained by God, you know. But it, but it never has been. Like, if you think about the old like, I'm not saying it makes sense to think that, but no, I'm just no, saying, I, like I, I, in, I in some people's minds, you know, that's what. Yeah, I, yeah. I understand that, but I think it's something that was really romanticized. Like, I don't know if it's through Westerns or through, like, just, like, the 80s and 90s. Right. But, like, a, a lot of the a lot of the open writing that people used to do was, like, trespassing. <laughs> like, it, was, it wasn't yeah. necessarily, like, legal writing. And whether people cared that you were trespassing on their land or not doesn't, like, doesn't really matter. Like, you're yeah. still trespassing. Yeah, yeah. But I, the biggest, the biggest people group that whine about access mm-hmm. are coming from the cities. That's the thing that right, I think. Like right. they're coming from Stockton, they're coming from San Jose, they're coming from, you know, East Bay, yeah. and they're coming up and they're complaining. Of, oh, I thought this was supposed to be open access. Mm-hmm. Like no, like I, I don't know. I feel like the I I don't know it, it, and having to deal with a lot of people that <laughs> complain about stuff. Especially the thing is the people that are obeying the law, mm-hmm. like the people that have green stickers, the people that are riding with the spark arresters and the people that don't have the crazy mufflers that are over 96 decibels high. Yeah. They never complain. The only people that bitch and moan are when they get caught doing something they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. You know, I, maybe, maybe that kind of makes more of a bias towards some of those user groups. I don't know. Yeah. I will say the forest service is actively working at open access. I know they figured out slick rock last year mm-hmm. to main, to keep that trail open, even though it's not always V trail, it's a street legal only trail. Yeah. That was that was a big deal. I mean, yeah, you know, to, and it added features to it. And it, like, it even made like the front page on a lot of paper. Well, the Calaveras Enterprise at least, and it was in some of the Jeeping magazines. And you get, I mean, you get places like, uh, like the Rubicon, where they're constantly maintaining it, making it more difficult, making it more accessible to it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know, Eagle Meadows or the Niagara Rim Trail, it's the same way. There's that whole Long Valley area. They're trying to restore it back to where the the synergy between human use and recreation works with what the meadow's supposed to be. Right. You know, where they're deep tilling some of the some of the campsites that were not, never developed to, or never supposed to be campsites. They're deep tilling it and re, reseeding it. And that's out of the Summit Ranger District. They're doing a great job up there because it looks really good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I people like to complain. I think yeah, that's the bottom sure. line for sure. And I think as age groups get older, mm-hmm. th- I think there's more 
people in their the fifties and older riding OHVs now because mm-hmm. it's easier to use than like hiking or backpacking or yeah. you know riding horses. I think that age demographic is just used to complaining and getting their way. Yeah, I, I yeah, I hear you. You, you know, uh, I would, but I mean, yeah, as like an OHV u- user participant, whatever. Yeah, like. If the, you know, if the information that you have to go off of is like, I've been doing this my whole life with my family or whatever. Yeah. And now someone's telling me I can't like, and that's all you have to go off of. Yeah. I mean, it's not completely out of the realm of understanding to, you know, see why someone would be. No, it's a big paradigm shift to go from having predominantly not open lands, but open roads where you can pretty much ride what you want to ride. Yeah, just I mean, just even on the smaller scale, like I can go to Deer Creek and ride out all these trails, and then so some, you know, a year goes by and now I can't, you know, and that's and that's like what that was your family vacation, uh, every year for the last thirty yeah. years, you know, yeah. Um, so I mean, so yeah, I, and I I did hear a little bit about that legal stuff when it was happening. Um, the, I don't think a lot of the Forest Service at the time. I don't think they really publicized it right. well enough. And like, I'm, like, if, but I don't think they knew. I don't because even now, like, I was deeply involved with some of the surveying, and it was still like, wait, who do we give this to? You know, like who who actually is looking at this? When sure. I was filling out some of the reports, it was like, I'm probably the only person that's actually going to read this. Sure, you know, maybe someone might refer to it five years from now when we get sued again. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that's going to read some of those reports. Right. So I'm, I don't know. I would say, like, if nothing else, like, being more transparent maybe would help their case. Um, I, th- I think so, for sure. You know, if you can at least see why it's not the Forest Service. I think that's with any you. with any restriction yeah. thing, though. Like, when, yeah. pe- when we have a new gas tax yeah. or when we have a new street light going in, yeah. like, people want, well, why the hell is that there? What's the reports? Yeah. And even then, and it's, that's prob- it's probably not going to... Smooth over all the tension, no. you know. In the bottom line is, people will still want to do the thing that they want to do, you know. I think um, a lot of it's also. I don't know if you ever thought about like the eastern versus western style of like adventure and exploration. Um, how so? Like, if you look at like recreation use in other other areas, like especially along the east coast, mm-hmm. like they're very well established, and you can't really go off trail. You, there's not a lot of stuff to explore, right? Then you get to the western side of the Rockies, like Colorado and, you know, Utah. Yeah. New Mexico, where it's, like, open. Yeah. You know, and not open in the sense that it's uh, legal to ride wherever the hell you want, but it's open as in you could ride for hours and not see anybody. Yeah. I just think California is becoming more like the East Coast, where it's there's so many people trying to recreate on the same trails that the, the capacity is just... It, What's what's the term for it? The 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 population density of users is just too high now. Yeah, there's so many people out there that land managers have to mitigate that amount of use. Right. No, and, it's. I, mean, I think it gets really hard for them. Yeah. Because you go places like the Bridgeport or like Levining, you drive out past Mono Lake, and you could maybe not see anybody all day if you drive out there. Right. And but that's even changing too. I remember going to Mono Lake and being the only people there, and now you get there. And one morning, I mean, we went together one that one year, and how many people were there? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I th- I think it's place as people like to enjoy places and they share them with their friends and family, more people start showing up, and then it eventually becomes a trend to be at these places, and then you get like this massive amount of use, and then 
it gets to be there's so much use that people stop coming and then it dies off and it just goes in cycles. Yeah. And I think with the Forest Service, especially on the stance loss, I think we're I don't want to like predict it, but I feel like this the stance loss and just the whole the whole eastern not eastern, the western slopes of this this Sierra Nevada, especially mm-hmm. the central Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's hitting that point where it's going to start slowing down a lot more. You see like the Rubicon people are complaining about the Rubicon, how like, Oh, it's not what we thought it was going to be. It's not like it used to be. It's too easy. Now it's too hard now, or now it's commercialized. A Jeep sponsors it now, you know, so people <laughs> yeah. don't like going there anymore. Cause yeah, it's yeah. not the rugged. We're all by ourselves. No one knows about this. Right. You know? And I, I just think that's what, I think that's just the, the ebb and flow of. That's a, I groups. mean, that's going to be a tough thing to maintain moving forward. Cause I mean, honestly, from the forest service perspective, um, you're dealing with people in large scale and there's no real, I mean, it's difficult to do your job and maintain a, um, an area of land that is available for everyone and not just for a certain group of people, um, or not just where one per like one group of people can, you know, completely destroy it. Like, yeah. you know, um, to simultaneously do that and provide the ability for everybody to go out and you know, create their own adventure, um, you know, on their own and do their own thing away from everybody else. Like eventually the numbers, the number of people being active in your area, you know, makes that somewhat impossible. Yeah. It's, it's really frustrating too. I think, um, I think if you guys, if anybody just drives up to the snow parks, which are also funded through the green sticker fund, yeah, um, but more for the snowmobile green stickers, and those snow parks were originally designed to be parking areas for the people that want to go snowmobiling, yeah. And if you go to any of the snow parks, they literally turn into just parking lots for kids play, right? It's like a place where it's like instead of snow parking, it's like a little like snow play park, yeah, and. I mean, does if you if anybody thinks that it doesn't get that much use, just go drive up there on Friday afternoon <laughs> yeah. or Saturday in the middle of the day, yeah. and try to find a parking spot. You know, go check out Little Sweden, right? And that's not even forest land; that's that's someone's private property, right? But then there's also the whole problem of you get one person that breaks the rule, and then you get five people that break that same rule, and then eventually everyone's breaking that rule. And when you get that many users doing that same that same negative action, maybe it's cutting a tree down. Yeah. You know, one person cuts a tree down, you know, big whoop, he's trying to get firewood. But you get 10 people cutting a tree down, that's 10 trees down. Yeah. And then they go back and they do it again, or they bring their friends and they do it. Eventually, like, you have a straight-up clear cut. Right. You know, is mm-hmm. that good for the forest? Is that mm-hmm. good for your public land? Yeah. Probably not. I mean, it'd be like if everyone stole a street sign. Yeah. You know, like the cost is, ex- like it, it gets, the cost goes up so right. fast. Yeah. At some point it just becomes a population problem. And, yeah. And uh, there's not a lot. I mean, I know. there's not a lot. I mean, when you look at the size of the Bay Area, how it's just exploded, yeah. like th- those are the people that you're dealing with and trying to provide a um, an experience, you know, that they appreciate. And yeah. the, the thing is they come up and they're used to seeing like however many people they see every day. Yeah. They come up and they they feel like they're by themselves, even though they're like if they're with a group of twenty other people, they feel like they're still super secluded, right? And that if one of them does one thing wrong, or if one of them, 
you know, it makes yeah, any yeah. negative impact yeah. that it's not going to affect them because yeah. they just see themselves as just 20 people. Right. But the, the forest land or just public land up here, not even forest, but like you go to recreation sites like New Maloney's yeah. or even like the public park, like it's not meant, it's not as packed down as it is down the in the Bay Area or yeah. down in the bigger cities where it, we can't deal with the same degradation that big cities yeah, can. Yeah, it's, it's fragile. You know, it's a lot more fragile. So the impact of you cutting or maybe maybe you drive, I don't know, maybe, maybe you peel out on the side of the road like in Modesto, mm-hmm. you know, and you make, maybe you make one rut, like who cares? Yeah. You know, that eventually that's going to be filled back in. But if you do that in the forest, that rut's going to grow so fast. Yeah, Because yeah. it was somewhere that was never, there was never a rut there before. The, it was never packed down before. And this is what the issues that the forest is going to deal with, especially when when we get, when they get all this water. Anyways, if you guys care about OHV stuff, show up to the meeting on Greenlee Road. And I already closed it on my computer. It's April 4th. You already said it. It's good. I said, okay, yeah. well, let's try to say it again. Yeah. If you guys care about this stuff, show up. I might see you there. Cool. We got measles in town. Oh. Ooh. That's not good. No, Calaveras County. Child diagnosed with measles. Hey, y'all. We got rid of measles. <laughs> I thought we did. Yeah. Uh, years ago. Stop getting measles. So how... Okay, so... I'm going to sound really ignorant. That's all good. But that's okay, because you guys probably think I'm already a train wreck anyways. Yeah. A train wreck with a mouth on it. Um, so the biggest thing about measles is if everyone was vaccinated, then that kid wouldn't give measles, right? With any contagious disease. Um, if, uh, yeah, if everyone, well. So, uh, there right, can so, still be carriers, though, and people that have the vaccine. No, so, really okay, work yeah, on. yeah. So the way that, well, so this is not specific to measles at all, but this is the argument for, um, herd immunity is that um basically if you have a population right and and so okay so the measles vaccine um and other vaccines have a percentage of uh, efficacy where they um it's a percentage of people where like basically the vaccine sticks and for these people the um antibodies are created and these people are now immune to the disease right and it's not 100 percent. very rarely i believe is it 100 percent efficacy uh with any vaccine people's bodies are different People react differently. Um, some people can't get the vaccine at all because they're allergic to it or whatever. Um, and so there's a certain percentage of people. Well, and this basically factors into the argument where people go, you know, why, why do you need the vaccine? Or why are you worried about everybody getting the vaccine? You know, why can't you just get it yourself and, uh, and be yeah. fine? And that's just not how it works. The, va- the vaccine is not 100% and not 100% of people can get the vaccine. Um, and so that leaves you with... Um, it, with uh yeah the ability to not just uh, inoculate yourself and be fine right yeah um so instead what you do is you um you create a herd immunity which is basically by inoculating everybody you significantly um drop your chances of basically if, if one person gets the whatever the pathogen is um now, statistically, if everybody in their um, in, in their herd or their community is vaccinated, um, the people that they meet day to day who are potential um, people that they could transmit that pathogen to, um, they, you know, it's the, there's a good chance that the, the, the vaccine took for them. Yeah. Um, 
so even if this one person it didn't work for them now they're now the now the pathogen is gonna it's not gonna be able to transfer to everybody else um because they're the statistic majority you know yeah, usually yeah. the efficacy is a majority value it's not yeah um 20 percent or whatever it's you know 80 or 90 what is that value for measles for measles i'm not sure but you, you can look it up i'm gonna look it up really um much. how do you spell efficacy uh, Google will help you out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, but so, but basically, so yeah. If if one person gets it and it doesn't work for them, the, the at least it stops there, right? And it doesn't continue on and continue on and continue on. Be, whereas in a unvaccinated population, you just have an immediate like Christmas tree effect where one person has it, they pass it to everybody. It's, it's like contact. exponential, right? Exactly, it, it and it goes and really goes bigger and, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger very fast. Whereas in a herd immunity situation um it can maybe one person gets it and then it dies out yeah so the ev- efficacy rate or is it a rate what is it uh percentage I think. it's a uh, two doses of the mmr vaccine are 97 percent effective okay one dose is 93 percent effective okay just cool. that's pretty good yeah um so yeah, um, that's that's how that works. Measles is not uh, good. Uh, I believe it can. Um, it messes it, you up it's, pretty it's bad. It's deadly. It's rarely deadly, um, but it is. It is deadly. Um, it's more deadly to uh, children who are under five years old, um, and the people that are most vulnerable to it, like the people who haven't been vaccinated, you know, babies um, or people who are vaccine sensitive. Um, you know that it's not it's not just about you yeah. uh, or your kids when you when you make that decision you know that's those are the people you're putting at risk um and uh you should feel really guilty the whole uh, anti-vax thing is so stupid yeah it's insane it's uh it's it's just nonsense it's and it's it's going wild right now there's that documentary um the the one that says it causes autism yeah the well i mean that's been the argument this whole time but that uh, guy even like retract, redacted that statement. Right, he did, and there's a bunch of conspiracy theories about you know why he did it and who was pressuring him to do that and how the establishment's trying to take him down. Wasn't the initial claim like really not like it was super vague? It wasn't even like directly him saying that it causes autism. He said um, there could be a link, and we're going to study it, and that was what he said, and it was like totally like. N- nothing was solid. Like it was like remember. a scientific. Like I can't remember. He might have tried to publish a paper. I can't remember exactly what the details were there. So I, gotta but, I mean, over and over again, you know, it's just they can they keep pointing to this, um, just ideas of uh, it's like conspiracy type thinking where you know follow the money, look at where you know who's behind this, and whatever. When all you'd have to do is like point to a clear link um, between vaccine. Um, reception or you know receiving vaccines added you know autism rate spiking or whatever you know nonsense they want to say the vaccines are causing and there just isn't that there isn't a mechanism by which you ingesting like thimiserol or whatever whatever the active yeah. component they think that is that harms the body and then correlated with an increase in whatever harm they think you know there's 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 lots of claims being thrown around but there's no actual mechanism that has ever been demonstrated in the human body um, between these like harmful chemicals that they think are in the vaccines and the resulting, you know, um, ailments that they, you know, they think are, uh, are being caused. It's just there, that mechanism has not been demonstrated. 
it's just it's just all this other conspiracy that they point to. It's um, it's crazy because it's like it's not like you have to pay money for it. Like if you look at who wins if you don't vaccinate your kids yeah. or who loses if you do, like it's like pretty much most programs offer free vaccinations. It's not like you have to pay for it, right? And the pharmaceutical <laughs> industry makes enormous amounts of money on. If your kid sits in the hospital for a month, uh, yeah. you know, if your kid needs access to a some sort of breathing apparatus or, you know, it's... They make uh, more money off your unvaccinated kid than they ever will by vaccinated yeah, kid. Yeah, it's, uh, it's insane. And it's, just, it's so, like, it just doesn't make any sense on no. any logical level. Like, why wouldn't you get your kids vaccinated? Yeah, it's very much based in, like, conspiracy type thinking. And, I mean, you know, it's hard because, like, just within those circles, like, it's obvious that it's the same... You, where, where do you think like this mistrust came from? Because I think a lot of it comes back to like people mistrusting science, essentially. Yeah. Do, oh, well, do you, so that's what I'm saying. Like in within those circles, like it's not just it doesn't exist on its own. Um, people who think this way think yeah. that the government's poisoning us with chemtrails. They well, think it's probably that, the same people that think you grow hair on your hands when you freaking beat off. Maybe I don't know about that. It could just be puberty. Uh, well, either way. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, that's, no, that's, it's who, just, that's who it reminds me of. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. sit there and say crap like that. Um, I think it's a little more developed. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it doesn't... It, it comes with a certain type of thinking. Um, that, yeah, is a, is a distrust of kind of established knowledge um, in a general sense. And uh, I... Because people do the same shit with, like, foods. Like, oh, you can't eat the carbs now, or proteins are, like, you know, egg proteins are bad for you now. Oh, now they're good for you. Yeah, yeah. Now you need low grains. Oh, now you need a lot of high-grain stuff. Well, I've read that, especially recently, and I I think that's more, like, backed by different scientific research that comes out and more and more accurate. Obviously, there's a ton of, like, bro science and just nonsense that comes with, like, dietary. um, Gotta have some protein. Yeah, dietary fads as they come through. Um, but with this stuff, I think I, I personally like the circles that I've experienced, um, kind of blame religion for a lot of it. Just the way that religion kind of leads to a distrust of like established society. Yeah. It, it, it makes you think that you're separate from like the world or, or the, uh, just humanity at large. You, you feel like you're better than it. You feel like the, um, the, humanity as a whole is kind of scheming and out to out to hide the truth um, I, I agree with that and it kind of just kicks this big hole in like your foundation of rationality you think that god has this better plan than um than logic you know can provide or just you know just rational thinking can provide um so i i mean in my experience the the, the religious thinking um and you know religious followers tied in very closely with the people who um have who think that way about you know, vaccines who think uh just you know strange dietary solutions for problems that are in any evidence based um way of thinking are not things you solve exclusively through changing your diet um, and just in plenty of other, you know, politically, um, just, you know, I think there's like those 
it can just it all it's all based on a certain way of thinking you know do, do you think facebook kind of acted or not just facebook social media acted as a catalyst it's definitely not helping um i mean well, there when, was, when did the anti-vaccine thing kind of start like when uh i remember what, it coming up like in the early 2000s okay but i i think there was literature that like the people i knew were referencing that was a bit older, maybe the eighties, but it, okay. it, it seems like that's like the early two thousands or when it started ramping up in like popular culture. Might have been like swimming out of the hippie movement a little bit. Maybe I don't think it was that far back though. But I mean, like the the generation that was raised by the hippie oh. movement, maybe having their kids and being like, hey, you know, um, I don't know. That was just the thought I was. Perhaps I, I it, it does feel like it's much more religious, but I mean, especially with the distress, like the nuclear stuff. You know, like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's, I, yeah, I, I mean, it does kind of seem that. like it, yeah, I guess there are non-religious, but I'd say like, even the people who aren't like hardcore Christian or whatever, um, like the, it's, I know a lot of the people, people that, I know at least, you know, will probably would still like classify themselves as like spiritual and have this kind of vague idea of something yeah. bigger out there, which doesn't really necessarily come out of a solely rational um, viewpoint of the world, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it's, I think it's a kind of broader way of thinking that leads to those sorts of things. The distrust of, you know. I really like the, um, kind of tying in with the religions thing, like, you, I can't remember who you commented, I know it was about abortion, but you commented about, like, maybe if people stopped living this life, like it was a tutorial or like the training level before yeah, they yeah. leave, and I that like hit the nail on the head. Like that's how I feel like a lot of people kind of live their lives. I mean, especially that, in the religious standpoint of, oh, what I do here doesn't really matter. This doesn't permanent. I'm going to be gone anyway. I think that's what when I said that was kind of it, yeah. It was I was talking about religious specifically. Is like yeah, uh, yeah. I well, mean, people that, even say like basic instructions before leaving Earth. Yeah, you know, and that's the first thing I thought of when I saw that <laughs> call. And I was like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. But it's totally, it totally is like a true mindset that a lot of people that, have. I mean, that is the mindset that, I mean, and justifiably so, if you believe in, you know, some sort of eternal afterlife, it, it's completely logical. Once you've made that assumption, it's logical to follow that you treat this one as just matter. an insignificant, you know, tutorial for yeah. the thing that actually matters, um, which... And that really pisses me off because every religion... Like explicitly states like treat the earth well, be right. good stewards of the earth. Like it explicitly states right. that, and you're like, oh fuck the earth. And I mean, fuck that, fuck fuck populations. Like, I mean, not to care. say they're not, but they're doing it with through the lens of this thing doesn't matter. Yeah. So you know, any good thing you do for this is purely out of goodwill, rather than focusing on this being the only thing. Yeah. You know that we need to focus on, especially for our kids. You know, um, future generations. Um, and just the less fortunate around the world. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it goes from being the most critical to the least, you know, um, when you begin to think like that and, uh, yeah, I just, I don't think it's a healthy way to, I think, uh, I think Facebook, especially oh, Facebook, yeah. I didn't really kicked a lot of it off and I don't want to say this pun, but kind of made it go viral in the sense that. Everyone's talking about it now. Like, we're talking about it. I would right. never talk about measles because I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, but now it's something that we're talking about because yeah. there's a case in Calaveras. Yeah. 
you know, and it's it's so prevalent. And especially now that Facebook said that they were going to actively remove anything that had to do with anti-vaxxing. Right, when when they already have, like, a persecution mentality. Yeah. They think that the, the establishment's out for them and they want to yeah. sh- shut them down. And then it just it just sets them up to be kind of self-fulfilled. Yeah. Um, when then when they're actually what, what when they're actually spreading is that you know like yeah oh, yeah see facebook is trying to keep it under wraps too yeah. you see this well it's i mean like, that's a th- like it's every every um every set of bad ideas has that built into it like you know every cult you just main, mainstream christianity you know read the bible you know it's a, they they it they talk about the world hating their ideas and that they will be against yeah. them you know and so, it's like so anytime that they look at that as a victory when people exactly go against them and i I mean it's it's if it's terrible because if your ideas are bad and people just take a just humanitarian logical approach to your ideas and point them out as you know this is why this is bad for society for you for us you see that you see that as criticism and you use it to bolster your bad ideas because who, it's because it's fulfilling the the claims that were made, you know. Who said the whole, the whole line that like if if you can't if if I can't oh my god what is it? if I can't defend questions about my religion uh-huh. what kind of religion do I have or what kind of faith do I have I don't know or if, or if I can't question my own religion what kind of faith do I have mm. and I think that's a big aspect where. Instead of it, like instead of you following a religion, yeah, it's more being spiritual, you right. know. I think because I'm really against organized religion just yeah. as a whole, even though I want to start my own church because I think it'd be a blast, right? Um, even though I'm against it, I'm still like I still totally actively feel like the whole idea of like being spiritual and you know I, I think that's totally valid, mm. you know, because people are can be spiritual in their own different ways, whether it's enjoying nature yeah. or enjoying. I had a, I worked with a guy at Dollar Tree where he him doing the shelves organizing the shelves. Yeah, he literally that that made him so at ease and so meditative. Right, that he'd literally just do it for hours. He'd yeah. work way beyond when he was supposed to clock huh? out because he'd just get so in the zone of doing it. Right, because it was the only part of his life that he could control like yeah. completely. Yeah, 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 and that was his like spiritual like. I mean that 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 was it. That was what yeah. he, that was what he lived for. He looked forward to clocking to work to putting those boxes on shelves. Right, right. So I mean I I really feel like the whole idea of like spirituality is like still huge. Yeah. But I think you should be able to question your spirituality too and be like, okay, why am I feeling these kinds of things? Why do I feel especially like when it comes to like convictions and guilt and like wanting to do good for other people, like understanding why you want to do those. Right. Rather than just like well, the Bible says I should do it. So I mean I think there's a way to approach that without like just um crippling your foundation of rationality. Yeah. Oh um, well, yeah. I mean, mainly I mean starting in like you know, people love to say like, talk about spirituality or whatever, but it's like, you can, you can, like, we understand a lot of what that is. And, you know, it's yeah. the, the meditative, like repetitiveness of a, of a task or the, the idea of just something outside of your own ego, um, that you're driving things, whether it's, you know, just like the, the earth and the, and the, the, you know, walking through Yosemite or whatever and the size of things and realizing how oh, small yeah. you are. Like there's a, an understandable um, effect that that has on like a, a human's experience. Even like, there's so many feelings like that. Like you get the farmer that like 
at the end of the day, he's like watching the sunset over his cattle. Right. You know, and he feels so like achieved because he got all, all, all his cattle are in the pit. Yeah. He's not missing any. Yeah, like he's yeah. watching over his flock. That's a really, really abrupt like representation of the Bible no, too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's like the Bible. Like yeah. it was written like that for a reason. Yeah. You know, and I think like the guy that I used to stock shelves with at Dollar Tree, like his whole thing was that's the only point because he had like three kids. He was going through a divorce. His uh his first divorce that he had was never finalized. Yeah. So it was like it was like his whole life was a shit show. Yeah, yeah. But when he could organize the shelves, yeah, he was like adding order to something that he like the rest of his whole life was disorder. So that was his whole thing was he could do it. Right. He was happy doing it. Yeah. And I mean I yeah, there's a lot of um But like so I and, think I think that's totally understandable, you know? Yeah. Um and so like jumping to this like like apply, just like applying mysticism unnecessarily to like a situation like that where that's where you know it's clearly that these activities are helping this person because of the control they give him over his condition um yeah there's no reason to apply like magic to that and then and and further weaken i i think i think people confuse spirituality with like religious explicitly Right, but and I think justifiably I think, so because that's the connection that's been made. That, that, that is, I, I think you know? spirituality is. I don't know. I I feel like. I don't know how I feel. I feel like it is a, a direct connection, but I also feel like it's more than. That. I feel like spirituality could be like your subconscious, like kind of more presenting itself, right. stuff that you can't really recognize yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I feel so accomplished doing that? And if you really think about it, you could probably figure it out, you right. know? If you have the discipline to actually break down your, your the meta, metadata that's in your head yeah. to where you can be like, why am I getting angry about this? Or why am I so happy right, right now? But I think in the moment when your brain can't focus on that or your brain doesn't want to spend the time to focus on it, yeah. I think that's more where it's your subconscious kind of pushing itself up and be like, Hey, this is what it is, and be, like people like me that can't say subconscious worth of shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's easier to say, yeah, it feels spiritual. Right. You know? I, to me, it's like that's what we should be focusing on. I don't think it's that complicated. Like, I think we, I, I completely agree. I think we think that some magic is going to get lost if we stop. If we, you stop, kind of living in these same molds that we have for centuries. You know, if we if we kind of let go of that as a society. You know, then we're there's, then there's something that's going to go like missing. Religious molds, or what, just what do you yeah, mean like kind of the religious mold, like you're saying, like you know, like what I hear you saying is like there is a a um, understanding we can come to of that kind of phenomena, but instead of like analyzing it so deeply, you know, just call it spirituality. Well, I, I mean, not not that you're like actively like yeah, you know, this feels religious or this feels godly to me, so I'm going to call it that. Right. I just mean like. Well, that made me feel great, and you're just moving on to the next thing instantly. Right. Like you're not you're not thinking about it because you don't need to. No, I understand. You know, like, was, but what I'm saying is like, um, like you still have that, still have that experience, but just you know, work on understanding that it is oh, a yeah. that it's a. Um, I think that's where like the meditative state is when you really start focusing on, like pulling yourself out of what you're dealing with and actually like looking at it from like a bird's eye view or like an yeah. external view. Right. But then that's a real phenomena that, that yeah. is, you know, understood. Like, so I'm saying work on understanding that those are real things that happen, um, based on, you know, the, the factual inner workings of the human body, yeah. you know? Um, and instead of like trying to kind of fit that into this mold of like having a, a, a bigger magical, um, yeah, 
type explanation for it. Just call it what it is. It's, it's the it's a human kind of stepping back and um, you know letting their thoughts flow or, or whatever. You know, it, well, and it, really it, having control over it too. Like it's you're feeling the way you feel is a direct like you're giving consent to your body to feel how you feel. Yeah, exactly. It's not an external force telling you to feel. A I guess it's way. just it's something that can that has an explanation behind yeah, it. You know, yeah. it's not. Um, it's not the magic of the universe. It's not this eternal God or whatever. It's, I feel uh, like it's, an, it's, it's your, it's, it's your body working the way. It, I feel like, know, so, it so just to play devil's advocate a little bit, <laughs> I feel like, um, cause I completely agree with you. I feel mm. like, I do feel like there's points where I don't want to sit there and figure out why I feel why I feel. Yeah. Just because I'm enjoying it, and if yeah. I start picking it apart, it's like that makes it less enjoyable. Well, so it's, to you me, know? like you don't even you don't have to. If you like to. eating ice cream or eating a chocolate, like I don't know, eating eating any kind of mixed ice cream where yeah. like it has nuts and it has like chocolate syrup on it and like gummy worms in it or some shit, yeah. or Neapolitan, where you're like sitting there like instead of just enjoying the flavor and be like, yeah, this is great. You're like, did I just eat chocolate or was that right. strawberry? You know, like it doesn't add to the enjoyment yeah. of it unless you're really into. Well, no, but to apart. me, like the default state isn't like, oh, this is a this is you know a spiritual experience I'm having right now, or it's not you know a god to this. It's, uh, the default position, if you just have a baby and never teach him all this shit, is you you know you experience a thing and you just experience it and enjoy it. Yeah. The introduction of this like silly magical thinking is kind of a human construct, you know, and it's something that does have to be taught. So I, I think it's not necessarily a silly construct. I think prior to people understanding like how our bodies work or even how science yeah. works, their best explanation for like, no, oh, I why do I feel pain? I understand or, it might have been functional at a time. There, at but some time, but I now, think that got but, passed down so far yeah. to where it's almost a crutch. Like, oh, I'm sorry I did that. It's It, it must be... I don't know. Like it must have been the devil on my shoulder that made yeah. me do that. It's like, nah, you're no, not. No, yeah, person. yeah. It, like at one time, <laughs> you know? it was it was a justified way of explaining the world. But yeah. now it's a, you know, um, I th- it, it's I honestly, an expressly harmful way of looking at the world. You know, um, I, I agree. I, I I really agree. Yeah. I just think that the everything's so fast paced that a lot of people get a feeling and. I know a lot of people will say like, oh, God must want me to do this or, yeah. you know, I'm so blessed that I feel like this. But I think for the average person, they don't even think about it at all. They're like, wow, I feel great. Right. You know, and, and that's yeah. that they just leave it right there. Like they don't think why or they don't, you know, it just they move on to the next emotion. I yeah. think the brain's really efficient and not like recognizing that you don't need to dwell on this. So move on. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, no, it's true. I To me, it's more like the. The people that try to pick it apart and try to come up with a reason. Yeah, or just try to kind of peddle this like idea of you know spirituality God, or this the, the worst ca- magical connection ask between people, people. Like that for advice, and they say, "Well, what do you think God wants you to do?" Yeah, it's like, oh my God, fuck. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I really, I don't know how we got on that topic. It seems mm. like we always get in these like really deep topics about like these kinds <laughs> of things. Yeah, yeah. but measles, it's totally measles. chill. Measles. We were talking yeah, about yeah. measles. measles. Get your kids vaccinated. Measles can, uh, if it doesn't kill them, I think it can like have like hearing damage. Um, it does a lot of shit. Scarring, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's it's free. permanent, like or like long term. Like I, I feel like it like weakens. I don't know. You could cruise on Wikipedia if you want to 
why not more? Just it's, Google it's image it, yeah, and that'll yeah. probably convince you to go get your it's, kids vaccinated. It's significant, yeah. It's not, you know, <laughs> anti-vaxxers love to, like, you know, just downplay, oh, it's not that big a deal, but, you know, yeah, look at images, look at... Check it out. All it's the not, fun it's not, shit that can happen. It's not very cool. No. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you soon. We'll try to do it uh, in two weeks. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Every time we yeah, say this, it we're not gonna, We're not going to say this anymore. We're, we're going to try, though. I'm going to put a solid, good-faith effort... I want a full report on what you guys think about outdoor recreation yeah. tomorrow. Well, yeah, main takeaway, trails are coming back at Deer Creek, so it's dope. Soon. Soon. Yep. Have fun. <laughs>